Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Riverfronts, a very special edition of the Riverfront. As far as I'm concerned, we've talked uh, off and on, obviously, over the last few weeks and months about the big billboard campaign. I like showing this picture, so I'm going to show it show again. again. <laughs> the Sell the Team Bob billboard. And, you know, as, as, as we, we did this, uh, you know, f- fundraising campaign, and I have with me today three people who... Uh, who uh, helped us along that uh, route to the to the billboard, supported the campaign, and I wanted to just talk about this a little bit, and, and really want to talk about what motivates someone, to, like I did, to uh, you know contribute to this campaign. Where you are as a Reds fan, and how the current state of the Reds is affecting you. And so I'll just introduce introduce uh, our guest to you. First is uh, Pat Rigsby. Pat, how are you today? I'm great. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, wonderful. Glad to have you here. Next, uh, uh, hailing right now from, I think, Tampa, Florida, is Will. How are you, Will? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Originally from the, uh, you know, the the great uh, state of Ohio, but uh, he's down there with the warm weather now. And then finally, a friend of the the podcast for a long time, now Sydney. How are you today, Sydney? Good. How are you? Doing very well. Doing very well. So, um, if if you don't mind, we'll just kind of go around and I've talked about how I became a Reds fan many times here on the show and uh, how I'm just kind of stuck with this team for better or for worse, unfortunately. Pat, how is this a lifelong thing with you? How'd you become a Reds fan? It For as long as I can remember. I mean, growing up in Portsmouth, Ohio, uh, you know, Don Gullett was from right around the area, growing up a, a Johnny Bench fan, Tom Seaver fan. And then as I got older, getting to know guys like Gene Bennett, who played a big part in shaping a, a lot of the most successful Reds teams there. Uh, you know, I don't know that there was any other option from his, the, my first day as a baseball fan. Yeah, that's a common tale for many of us. We, we were just, we were destined to be Reds fans for, because of forces outside of our control. For me, it was my father, my grandfather, and just that's what, that's what we did. So uh, what about you, Will? Uh, how, how did this thing become an obsession for you? I grew up just uh, south of Dayton, and uh, I think my first memory of the Reds was probably in 1990 when they won the World Series, and I was just a huge fan ever since. Big fan of those teams with Chris Sabo, Barry Larkin, Eric Davis. Those guys got me hooked, and that's where I started. Yeah, they, they kind of reeled you in, and little did you know yeah. what was going to happen for the next quarter century, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and Sydney, we've, we've talked before, but you are a uh, – uh, you're one of this, what I call the lost generation of Reds fans, right? Uh, who has not Absolutely. experienced very much success, uh, right? Yeah. So um, I am definitely part of that lost generation. I was not alive for 1990. Um, I was born in 2000. So I um, I don't know much Reds success. Um, to be perfectly honest, I wasn't really that big of a Reds fan when the early 2010s Reds were happening like 2010, 2012, 2013, those teams, um, which had, in my opinion, good success, but not good postseason success. So during my lifetime, the Reds have not, they've had good teams, but not great teams, and have not actually done anything in the postseason. And consistently now, since Casamalini has bought them, consistently just go from, eh, we want to be good, to, eh, we're rebuilding, or strapped for cash. And that's just what I know of the Reds. I mean, I'm from south of Dayton, just like you, Will. And my dad was a diehard Reds fan. So was his parents. And I was just born into this thing. And so, yeah, that that's my experience as a Reds fan. Yeah, you know, um, 
<laughs> I talk to, to fans, and at this point, we're, we're talking about a generation that are starting to get up in age a little bit. You know, I, I think fondly, obviously, of 1990. I came along, you know, basically as a, as a fan right after the Big Red Machine. You know, I was born in the middle of the Big Red Machine, but I didn't. I heard about it from my, my dad, my grandfather, and, you know, Johnny Bench and, you know, Pete Rose and Joe Morgan. That's what you hear all the time. And then, you know, through the 80s, the Reds were not good when I first started uh, uh, being a fan of the team. Uh, but then, you know, they, they were in the mix for, you know, four straight years uh, under under Pete. They finished second place. And then we had 1990, which for me as well, that's what you – know, I was in high school, and that's what cemented it for me was uh, that 1990. But even, you know, my, probably my favorite Reds team was 95, which, you know, lost in the National Championship Series to Atlanta. And so – but but and that's the last time the Reds won a playoff series. There are a lot of fans who became fans after 1995, and I'm not sure why anyone would become a fan these days. Right, exactly, Sydney. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, I don't. I don't understand how there's so little. Uh, how, how ownership and management these days can uh, can just kind of ignore the fact that they're just turning fans away every day. Now, uh, but but you know, Pat, I guess you know. What's your? What, Will mention what his favorite moment was as a Reds fan. Uh, what's your favorite moment? Is it this? For me, it's the same. Mine's the 1990 World Series, and that you know. Um, yeah, and, and I'm sure this dates me a little bit, but I graduated in 1990 from high school, and I, I remember vividly the, the 1990 World Series. And so um, so that that would clearly be my, my favorite time as a Reds fan, because not unlike you, um, you know, I kind of grew up on the baseball bunch and some of that stuff, the, the earlier days, but it was a little bit past the, the heyday of the Big Red Machine. Yeah, yeah, well, we're roughly the same era, I think, there. And so, yeah, it looked for a while there at, at you know, 1990. And then even, you know, um, they were competitive up through 1995. It looked like, well, you know, the Reds are going to always kind of be in the mix. And, yeah, that's not been the way it was. Um, uh, Will, I guess, since the 1990 World Series, Will, maybe give some in, insight into what your experience as a Reds fan has been since then. Uh, pretty um, frustrating at times, I'm sure. Frustrating. I mean, I think 99 was a fun team. I, mm -hmm. I think that's when they – opened up uh became synergy field at that time i think thought that yep. was a really fun place to watch a game at the time um and i just thought it was going to go up from there because we traded for griffey and i thought it was going to be a new era and that's kind of where it kind of went off the wheels from here started to i think was started feeling a little uh not really believing the team so much you know in the management and how they were doing things after you know not really putting a team around Griffey. And then there was hope again when Castellini bought the team, thinking, oh, this is going to be different. This is going to change. New stadium, all of that was exciting. And I think, like you said, uh, or Sydney said, around like, you know, the late 2010s or 2010, 2012, those teams were really competitive. You know, it didn't do much in the postseason. And then after that, it kind of just kind of fell off for me. Yeah, 2000 is, and I'm sorry for, for this, Sydney, because when you're more, that's that's the that that is the moment where I was the most uh, excited, I think, that I've ever been as a Reds fan. I mean, after the 1990 World Series, I thought, oh, okay, this is this is fantastic. That was my favorite moment. But they had that 99 team that won 96 games and was such a fun team. And then they go out and get King Griffey Jr. So that's when I that's the point where I, I thought, you know what, this team is uh, we're we're set up for some great things. And yeah, we didn't get them. Um, you know, and, and the 2010 to 2013 Reds were fun. They were fun. Again, sorry, Sydney, that uh, this is the height of, uh, you know, the last uh, two decades. But, um, 
you know, uh, you just have the. Uh, I shared what what Will said about the kind of uh, excitement with Castellini bought the team because he said all the right. They said all the right things. Bob Castellini said all the right things. Um, you may have noticed, uh, and I'll, I'll ask you this one, Sid. You may have noticed that Phil Castellini is not saying all the right things these days. I don't know if you noticed that. No, um, no, he hasn't. I saw him on opening day because so I was at the beginning of the parade, um, the opening day parade that they have in Cincinnati. I was right there. I saw him and um, Barry Larkin getting their like red car, and. I thought, you know what? I want to go up to him. I want to say something. And I'm like, you know what? But I also don't want to get banned from Great American Ballpark. So, and I have tickets to today's game. So I, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. Not going to lie. I sort of regret that. But you know what? To each of their own. Um, and, yeah, he later then that day had that infamous sort of um, interview with Mo Egger and – just said some terrible things and sort of just started to dig his own grave. Um, as yeah. I think. Well, let, let, let's, let's circle back to the, the billboard quickly again. I, <laughs> I like, I just like looking at it. I, you know, I just got to put it up there as often as I can. Pat, where were you in your, you already established for everyone here, longtime Reds fan, hardcore Reds fan. You've got the, you got the history, you got the bona, bona fides, right. Uh, as they say, where were you the day that you donated this campaign? What, what, as a, as a Reds fan, what, you know, what were you feeling? Uh, exasperated. Um, just kind of, just, it, it, it kind of wits in just accepting the fact that, you know, there isn't really a plan here and, you know, let's face it. Uh, the, the kind of original, position would be, hey, we're going to go the player development route and we're going to, you know, really develop from from within. And, you know, just I think accepting the realization that there there isn't really a plan. There isn't a strong approach to player development. And, you know, it any any good organization begins with leadership. And when you see the leadership, just trip over itself time and time again. You you kind of get to this point of acceptance that you know what that probably needs to be a change. Absolutely. So so let's uh, strike a blow for the the, the Reds fan that didn't have a voice and put up a billboard. Will, where were you? What what, were, what was going through your head uh, the the days and weeks before this? Uh, well, you joined I, this campaign. It was just you know it started with you know the. That what they said we're going to align payroll with expectations, and it was just like oh geez, and they just started trading guys away like Sony Gray, and then the whole uh, trade with Winker, were, you know, just dropping salary and not getting anything returned. It's just like Pat said, it's been all half measures. All of these teams in the two thousands have been half measures. They have have never really stuck to any kind of you know, plan or development or anything. They just, they try something. It doesn't work for a year and they just give up and they try again and they try something different. It's just never going to be successful that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so true. You know, that's sort of where, where I was, you know, with, with all this, we kind of laughed about it and joked about the a billboard for a while. I'm not sure how it first came up, but it became a running joke. Uh, and then, you know, the, the, the stuff with Wade Miley and Tucker Barnhart before the lockout. And then as soon as the lockout ended, trading away, you know, Jesse Winker, that was the, and Sonny Gray, you know, those are the, and, and, and uh, Gino, you know, Eugenio Suarez, who had not been good, but 
doing pretty well right now, but uh, but was one of my favorite players. Uh, you know, I just at, at that point we said let's pull the trigger, let's just do, do this thing. And if, if people want to donate, then great. If not, well, whatever. We had some fun with it, and uh, the response was just blew me away. And so thanks to to, to each of you and everyone that almost you know, almost two hundred Reds fans um, donated to this uh, this cause. Um, what what do you think, Sydney? Were you surprised that we actually made this thing happen? Yeah, um, I mean, I've been following the podcast from its Red Leg Nation radio days for many years, um, and I was a Patreon supporter as well, and I've sort of known about the running joke about this, and you know what, we, we should get a billboard, and I saw that y'all were serious, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to I'm gonna step up and pay some for it too, yeah. <laughs> well, we appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, my, my biggest thing, and the, the thing that really ticked me off the most about the offseason was the fact that they were not able to get a single thing for Wade Miley. And they decided, you know what? We're not going to pay possibly the $1 million, um, to like even decline your option, or we're not even going to try to keep you around and try to shop you after the lockout and try to shop you after the deadline. Um no, we're just going to cut you, and you know what? You're going to get picked up by the Cubs for literally nothing. I still can't believe we couldn't have gotten a Nick Quintana, like a 26-year-old high-A prospect prospect, um, for him. We couldn't have gotten anything. Like, I don't believe that for a second. Oh, they could have. There's no question they could have. If, yeah. they, if, if they had more of a strategy than this, we have to cut payroll today. Today. Um, today is the key part. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't we can't pick up that op that that team option and then try to shop him around for something later on because there's no question they could have moved Wade Miley. Oh mercy! All right, you guys are depressing me. Uh, <laughs> let's talk. A, this team. Okay, we we try to laugh, but sometimes it's tough. Uh, uh, let's talk about this this current team. I guess let, let me ask each of you this: Did you have any expectations coming off last year before all the transactions? Because you know the the you know, they weren't a great team last year, but they had a winning record. You know, a lot of fun guys, you know, uh, they were they were not that far from being a, a real team. Is that part, I guess I guess the question is, is that part of why we all kind of crashed and burned with the team is because I had some expect, I didn't expect the World Series winner, but I, had, I expect the team that would be able to compete for the National League Central. Pat, did you have any expectations or how did that play into uh, well, all this? You know, and I think the team was just really likable. Right, you you have a collection of very likable players. I, I mean, let's face it: if the 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 measure that has to be met for people to be happy is you win the World Series, then most people are going to be really upset. But if you've got a, a, a likable team that's competitive day in and day out, and, and has a, an honest chance to compete in its division and, and maybe make a little bit of noise, I mean, we saw what the Braves did last year, and the Braves struggled for a long time and uh, sometimes the the stars just have to align at the right time so so there was that kind of hope and optimism going in and then all of a sudden like man I, I mean you you have these people who are you know key contributors likable people and, and frankly um you know I mean certainly not some sort of salary albatross I mean obviously Gino it would have been you know it, he could have performed better, but you know, he's, he's doing fine now. Right. So yeah, you, you hate to see that because 
a salary dump without a plan, I mean, you know, you're you're not all not everybody's going to win by signing free agent after free agent after free agent. So if you're going to trade people away, then we probably better have a plan on how to recoup talent, how to develop talent, but seeing that there was um, an absence of a plan and we were going to get rid of a, a significant chunk of, you know, a, a team that was pretty easy to root for. Um, it was kind of depressing. Yeah, I think that's, a, I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, and, and I'll toss it to you, Will, uh, just to kind of discuss last year's team. It, it's fr- so frustrating. They were, uh, I call them the rowdy Reds after Nick Castellanos, you know, uh, flexed on uh, the Cardinals. And they were just a fun team to follow. And it was, you know, it's kind of a, a preview of the frustration with this year's team, which is that's a team that had a winning record. And if they uh, they hadn't, if Cast- Bob Castellanos hadn't ordered them to give away two quality back-of-the-bullpen relievers, Rosella Iglesias and, and Archie Bradley before the season, literally for nothing more than money reasons. It's a team that really hasn't real shot at the playoffs because what was the last year's Achilles heel, the bullpen. So um, similar frustrations for last year, but it was, I don't know. It just, they, they were extremely likable. Uh, Will, any, any thoughts about that? Yeah. I mean, I thought they could have been, you know, a respectable team could have competed for the division and you just, you get in, you never know in the playoffs and, they had some young guys coming up this year with, you know, Hunter Green and, and Lodolo. They, I mean, you never would have known. You'd never known what that team could have been. They would have kept these guys together. Could have been something special. Yeah. Even even one more year. Let's, let's run it back one more year. Uh, you know, I don't know about bringing Castellanos back. I wish they could have, but I, that, that was yeah. uh, a, a lot to ask. But but the rest of those guys could have been here. And then, yeah, you're adding, uh, you know, some of the guys that are bullpen now, like Dari Moretta, who's, uh, you know, uh, didn't get really much of a shot last year, but he looks like he's going to be a good arm eventually um and then you add the greens and the lodolos and you get tyler stevens with a little bit more of a a, a role um jose jose barrera maybe at some point uh, you got nixon zell being i don't know nixon zell I'm, I'm biased when it comes to nixon zell so I, I better not say anything but um it's frustrating wasn't it sydney absolutely i mean like you said pat last year's team was so likable and the biggest blow for me was the fact that they got rid of um Winker and Gino, the two of the most likable guys on the team. Like, not only were they both good players, Gino not necessarily last year, but he has been. He has a track record, and he's doing so with the Mariners. Um, but th- they were both so likable, and this team was so fun to watch. Even through their heartbreak and watching the bullpen collapse, and Heath Henbury and Brad Brock, in Hold on, we're not show. supposed to mention those names on this show. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just reliever after reliever come through and pitch for us and not do well. Or do well for a week, week and a half, and then go back to being 30-plus years old and not being that great. And we were just so good, and it looked like we were on the cusp of something. If maybe we could add maybe a reliever or two, or if we would have kept Rosella Galatius and Bradley, um, Things were looking up. I mean, I understood getting rid of, I mean, maybe not bringing back Cassianos. I didn't like it, but I understood it. And also the same with Barnhart. But this fun, this team was just so fun to watch. And you had to think that the Brewers weren't going to repeat three, like, Cy Young winner type pitchers again. And we were going to be in the mix of it. I mean, we would have been in the playoffs if it wasn't for a historic winning streak, all-timer by the Cardinals. 
And I mean, oh. literally, just get in. As you said for a while, Chad, just get in. Just sneak on in. Yeah. And you don't know what, what's going to happen once you get on in. Well, that's, and again, we mentioned the Braves a couple times. If you can just get in that tournament at the end of the season, you have a real shot because that's, that's just the nature of baseball. Um, oh, boy. I just – I guess it kind of goes back to what we've all been saying in terms of the lack of a plan. It's, it was so obvious how they changed course just on the on – the, um, out of nowhere. They get rid of these guys. They get rid of they, – they trade off uh, Jesse Winker to get rid of Suarez's contract. But then they go sign Tommy Pham, who's making the same as Jesse Winker, and it's not as good as Jesse Winker. They literally give Wade Miley away for free. And then, then they, the next day they that's not literally the next day, but uh, you know, not too long thereafter, owners like, oh, we're getting we're getting hammered. We got to go get somebody. They go get Mike Miner. They trade from uh, you know Mike Miner, who is Wade Miley, but not quite as good, and makes it pretty much the same. I, it's just it, it's just it's it's embarrassing. And um, but but Reds fans have never really got on the gotten on the Castellanis and like this. I, I've never seen anything like this in. Uh, and Reds fan, I guess, you know, I don't know how, how many of you all are Bengals fans, but the Bengals have, you know, uh, you know, had their ownership has gotten some, some, some hate from, from fans. And I wonder if maybe, and I'll let anybody who wants to jump in on this. You're welcome to, if you, if you want to, uh, I wonder how much the Bengals success this past year has played into the frustration with Castellini. Anybody am I I, am off so base? Sure. I think Hello. so for sure. I mean, I think, People were giving the Browns so much, you know, such a hard time over the Bengals, and they stepped it up this past year and actually did things. And now they're building an indoor facility for the team. And I think now people, you know, don't have the uh, anger at the Bengals ownership so much anymore. Now they're looking to direct it somewhere else, maybe. Yeah, maybe that's uh, uh, Pat. You're you're a Bengals fan as well. Yeah. Yes, no? and, yeah. The the whole thing, I think, was it was almost like the perfect storm, right? I mean, clearly with social media and podcasts and everything else, the the platform is there for people to voice their frustration when it's you know when it's kind of boiling over. And the Bengal success certainly, I, I think, magnified things. But then you also have an ownership group that made a lot of promises and are pretty visible. You know, so you can probably uh, maybe get by with pinching pennies and, and making bad decisions if you're not so front and center and almost combative whenever you get any sort of pushback. But, you know, when when you're putting yourself out there and and maybe trying to, to take the, the George Steinbrenner-ish approach to Hey, I'm going to make the decisions. I'm not going to let the the player development staff, the general manager, anybody else actually do their job. Well, then you're going to take the heat for it. I've said it a couple of times. It sucks. Uh, the Castellanis are, are Steinbrenners without the success. Yep. You know, I mean, <laughs> they want to be involved, but uh, yeah, they're just they're so clueless. Yeah, I, I like that the idea that it's kind of a, a confluence of events. They've been building up, building up, building up after the promises. And then just uh, the lack of success and no sustained plan, and then all of a sudden, everybody's like, "Wait a minute! If, my, if Mike Brown can <laughs> figure this thing out, and listen, not only were they successful this year, but they've gone out in free agency and made a splash. I mean, they're really genuinely 
trying to compete for the first time that I can remember in years. Uh, and then at the very same time, the Reds are tearing it all down, uh, tearing a, a, a fun team, a not bad team, tearing it to the ground for reasons. I don't know. I see Joe Burrow back there behind you, Sydney. I bet you've got a comment. Yeah. So, I mean, the biggest thing is the fact that Mike Brown decided he didn't want to be involved in the day-to-day operations of the Bengals anymore. And he's not as heavily involved anymore. And it's now Katie Blackburn, his daughter, and other people who are just doing their jobs. And you know what? What a novel idea that is. You leave the football and you leave the sports to the people who are paid to do it. And that's their job. What a novel concept. Um, Cough, cough, Bob. Phil Castellini cough. Um, And they just won't. And it just happened that Mike Brown decided he was going to do it right when we could draft Joe Burrow. Um, Other side, other um, shoulder. But, yeah, right when we could draft him, and then we've made so many good draft decisions in the past couple of years, very good signings, and – it's just all come together. I mean, the city has been starving for good sports. Because, I mean, before this last year, it had been 30 years before, like, very good success. And it just doesn't make any sense. And finally, like, the playoff game against the Raiders, we sold it out. That's what would happen with the Reds if they just were consistent with their team philosophy and got us a winner. I mean, it's not it's not that hard. There's and no doubt in my mind. Yeah, I, if, I, if, I'm if, sure, if they, like Brown could tell them, just put the money up front now and then watch the money come later with the post-game success and all of the people who buy jerseys and merchandise. The money will come later. Just put it up front now. Yeah, and, there's no question in my mind. The Reds fans would be there if they absolutely. Uh, were going to – put a competitive product on the field. Um, let me ask you a question I meant to ask earlier, but I, I think it's a, a fun one to talk about. Pat, I'll ask you first, who's your favorite red of all time and why? You know, I would have said Johnny bench uh, for as long as I can remember, but Joe, Joey Votto's fast closing. Um, you know, I think just the way he's gone about his business, the way that he has, been adaptable in a, a rapidly changing game. Um, you know, I, I would probably have to say he, he may have taken the mantle. Uh, is, is Joey going to uh, recover this year? Is he going to come back? Is he going to start hitting like Joey again? I, I would think so. Uh, I mean, he, again, he, he has probably been the most adaptable baseball player I have ever seen. And, I I have confidence he'll figure it out. I, I don't know that he's going to go on the tear that he went on last year, but is he going to be a, a, a solid contributing player again very soon? I'm sure of it. Yeah, I, I, after last year, I've determined I'm never going to doubt Joey Votto again. I'm just going to uh, accept that he knows more about the, uh, hitting than I do. What's, well, uh, I guess, funny, I don't know if it's funny or not, but um, in the latest issue of Cincinnati Magazine, I've got a piece that uh, yeah, I was going to write, wanted to write about Joey Votto and, so they gave me some space, a feature column to write about him. And uh, it's in the print magazine now. It'll be online in a couple of weeks, I think. But uh, my editor kept pushing me. Come on, I need a hot take. Need a hot take. And they wanted they wanted to name the piece, Joey Votto is the greatest red of all time. And I was like, well, okay, I'm not sure I 
100% believe that, but I, I, I think I can make the argument. And so I do that, and now it comes out, and it's on newsstands now, and he's hitting, you know, 150 or something. <laughs> so maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Will, who's your favorite player? I think I'm going to have to agree with Pat and go with Joey Votto. Um, I, growing up, I probably would have said Barry Larkin, but I think he's probably the greatest player that, that I've seen play as a Red in my lifetime. And to be able to see someone play, you know, what looks like going to be potentially their whole career with Cincinnati and has a very good chance of being a Hall of Famer, that's, you know, that's something special to see. Yeah, and it's, you know, that's, uh, again, as Reds fans, we've not experienced a ton of success. But, you know, for me, it was, it Larkin is my, was my guy always, you know, because that was a guy that even the current generation is getting to see with Joey Votto, a guy you see from beginning to end wearing that Reds uniform. And Johnny Bench, even the other one that was mentioned here by Pat, right? These are guys that were there um, their whole career. There's something special about those guys. And right now, for me, it's still Larkin, my, my all-time favorite player. But I have a feeling that uh, by the time it's over, uh, it's going to be Joey Votto. Or I haven't decided. Maybe at least Alberto Bonilla. I, maybe I can't decide. <laughs> So, Sydney, I'm guessing yours has got to be Joey Votto. Am I right? I mean, I, I want to say Joey Votto, but I don't want to also say what everyone else is saying. So, I'm going to go off script a little bit and go with the Reds starting shortstop, no matter what anyone else says, Kyle Farmer. The GOAT, Kyle Farmer. The GOAT. You want to talk about the best Red of all time, Kyle Farmer. Now, that, <laughs> my friends, is a hot take. That's hotter than my uh, Joey Votto take. Well, on the current team, we're going to leave Joey out of it, and we'll we'll leave Kyle Farmer out of it as well. <laughs> who, who your favorite, who your, who's your favorite player on the current Reds team, Pat? You know, I, I I love the way Jonathan India plays the game. Is a is a former college baseball coach. That would have been the guy that you just wanted on your team every day of the week because plays hard, energizes everybody, um, leaves it all on the field every day. So. Definitely Jonathan India. Great choice. And, and, and matter of fact, India is a guy that I, I, I've said, if the Reds had just gone all in and really try to put a competitive team on the field, Jonathan India would uh, be every kid in the uh, Cincinnati area would be wearing a Jonathan India shirt. I mean, he would be a superstar, a uh, legend around town just because I don't know, the hair that I, you know, I'm jealous of and, um, and the way he plays, you know, all out and just it seems like he's having fun all the time. And he's still going to be the, the favorite player of the next generation of Reds fans, but it's not it's not like uh, you know, some of these other guys. What about you, Will? Do you like anyone on this current team? Uh, I'm going to say probably Hunter Green just because, you know, the potential that he represents. He could be something really special. And, you know, to see someone throwing that kind of gas out there is is something to see. So he's the one I watch right now. And, you know, being in Tampa, I don't get to see a lot of games. Um, but, you know, I try to follow them and see how guys are doing. And I, I really try to follow the young guys uh, that have some potential. And that's one that I, I keep an eye on. Yeah, that's one thing that, uh, again, I, we, we, there's no way this front office has a plan, right? But if they really were to follow through on a, on a plan, they actually have some young guys that you can make a core of a team. Five consecutive first-round uh, draft picks. Um, from starting with uh, Tyler Stevenson in 2015, and then let's see, it was Nixon Zell, oh, Tyler Stevenson, Nixon Zell, Hunter Green, Jonathan India, Nicola Dolo, all five on this roster, you know. And uh, the two for the two after the, that, the last two years were 
Matt McLean, the shortstop out of UCLA, who's just tearing it up right now, looks like he's going to be a stud. Uh, Austin Hendrick is a, is a high school uh, outfielder that is playing very well this year, but struggled a little bit last year. But anyway, you have kind of this core, and then some of the international guys like uh, Jose Barrero and Eli De La Cruz is coming along soon. So you kind of have a core if you could trust this current management to uh, to uh, to to put the pieces around them, I guess. So I'm like you. I like I love watching these young guys because that's really all we all we have to hang our hats on right now. My favorite uh, player before we uh, get to Sydney on this current team. I'm going to not name Votto. I'm not going to name Farmer because Kyle Farmer. <laughs> I'm also not going to name it's named Senzel because I'm biased with Nick Senzel. But uh, the guy I love is Tyler Stevenson. I think I think Tyler Stevenson ha- is going to play in more All Star games than any one one of these other young guys. That's my opinion. I, I, I'm that high on him. Um, so, Sydney, who's your favorite player besides Kyle Farmer? Um, aside from Kyle Farmer, I'm, I'm going to have to agree with you. Tyler Stevenson is my favorite. Um, and, I mean, it's just so hard playing short – not shortstop. He doesn't play shortstop. Um, catching and playing that every day. And also, like, not only doing that, but also sometimes playing first base, sometimes playing the DH. I mean, he's, he's expected to play every day for us and not really get a break. I can't think of many other catchers that do that. Maybe Salvador Perez and Contreras for the Cubs, and that's about it. Everyone else has, like, a firm backup that they switch with, like he did last year with Barnhart. And he just plays so hard and is so good at it, and him and India are our future on offense. And then Barrero, too, hopefully. And, like, it's so fun watching them. Uh, yeah, are. could not could not agree more. Um, all right, again, I'm 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 darting around a little bit. There were a few questions I wanted to ask, and you know, someone that uh, you know did this uh, for a living would might want to you know write these things down so we, we stay <laughs> on script. But you know, I'm it is what it is. Uh, what's your earliest memory as a Reds fan, each of you? And, and if, if if you can't pinpoint earliest memory, maybe the first time you remember going. Uh, you know, to a, to a Reds game. Uh, maybe talk about that later. But my, I don't, I'm not really sure what my fir- earliest memory is, but I do remember the first time I walked into Riverfront Stadium. And I agree, later on when they opened up Synergy Field right at 99, oh, man, I was like, this is the greatest stadium I've ever seen in my life. They put the real grass in, and it was, uh, you know, they, they, they took out a chunk of because they were building Great American Ballpark out in left field. I thought, that's a gorgeous. But now, when I was eight years old and walked into Riverfront Stadium for the first time and saw that Beautiful, beautiful AstroTurf. I thought that was the greatest thing on earth. So, Pat, do you have an earliest memory or something like that? I, I remember watching Tom Seaver pitch Johnny Bench catch on television and mimicking Seaver's delivery all the way to dragging my knee on the carpet and everything else when I was probably five, six years old. And, uh, you know, sadly, I never became much of a pitcher, but, uh, but yeah, those were some of my fondest early memories. Yeah, I got to tell you, Pat, I'm a little disappointed you never were as good as Tom Seaver. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> Almost no one was. Yeah. Uh, Will, do you have an early memory? Uh, I'm going to say it's probably the 1990 team. Uh, I just I remember, I think I was in third grade, and for Halloween I dressed up like Chris Sabo by putting on a hat and some swimming goggles and a T-shirt. And that was, that was Halloween in third grade for me, so that – that was a pretty fond memory. Yeah, that's the type of thing that uh, at that age can really kind of uh, 
pull you into a lifetime of this nonsense. But uh, and I wonder how many Reds fans have not had been able to experience that. But that was uh, pretty exciting times. Did you have other other family members big Reds fans? I mean, was it sometimes well, around you all the time? Or my dad came to the area in the seventies, so he was a fan uh, of the Big Red Machine, and so he kind of got me into it when I was young. Um, so that's that's how I started. Yeah, that's a familiar familiar tale, right? Um, I, I don't even want to ask this question of Sydney because you know Pat and I are listening to these and we're like, oh gosh, third grade in nineteen ninety, you know, we're thinking, oh come on. Uh, and then Sydney's going to tell us, oh, my earliest Reds fan was when I was you know seven years old. It was you know twenty nineteen or something. <laughs> What's your earliest memory? So I'm going to say like my earliest memory I can remember is. Devin Mazzarocco hitting a walk-off grand slam a couple of, like, several years ago. But, I mean, honestly, my earliest memories with baseball were with the Dragons. Growing up in Dayton, and we would always get tickets to go to Dragons games, and those were so fun. And then just following them up to the Reds, and yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I tell you what, that's about a fun time at the, at the, at the old ball yard. Uh the Dayton Dragons have just do it. They do it right. Um, uh, I haven't been there in a, in, a, in a few years now, but every time I've been, it's been just uh, just fantastic. Um, well, uh, gang, I guess let's uh, let's let's toss a wild card out here. What else do you want to talk about? Anything you want to say? Anything in particular you're just dying to get off your chest? And you got this. You got an audience now, a little a, a tiny audience. There are twelve people, including uh, my mom. Uh, <laughs> Pat, what, anything about the Reds that you want to say, or just uh, you know? Feel free to pontificate for a little while. Oh, boy. Anything about the Reds? Well, I mean, I think it, it's something that hopefully the 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 ownership uh, of a team recognizes. There are people out here that that have decade-long memories that it shapes the, you know, their, their childhood. I mean, we've got people who for, you know, decades later from those memories are – wearing Reds garb and talking about this after being fans that long. I mean, that's the kind of impact something like this can have. And, you know, if you go and and put together, uh, you know, a, a, a solid plan, a solid organization, you know, you're, you're building lifetime customers. So when they're saying, hey, we need to go make this a better business, it's not real complicated as to how to do it. Put together a good product put it in front of people and you can build a pretty strong allegiance. Yeah, you know, I, I talked a little bit with uh, Zach Buchanan, Buchanan, who used to be the, the Reds beat writer for the Inquirer, And now he's uh, covering the Arizona Diamondbacks for the athletic. And, and he'll tell you it's, uh, it's such a different thing being a, uh, with the Diamondbacks fan base because they don't have this generational thing that Reds fans have that, People take the Reds so seriously because their dad did, or you know, their their grandfather did, or their you know their mom, whoever you know, their their family, for generations have been Reds fans, and it's it's just it's just something we, I don't Diamondbacks don't have, and so it's it's kind of a, a key that you can unlock in, to to have this incredible passionate fan base if you will just show them a little respect, which we have not got. I think you're exactly right, Pat. Will, anything uh, you want to get off your chest? Yeah, just kind of add what you said. You know, I've lived in Tampa the last, you know, four or five years, and the Rays have been a very successful team, but living down there, you wouldn't know it. I mean, they don't have a huge fan base or following here, and a lot of it has to do with ownership issues, with stadium issues, even though they're putting a competitive team on the field. And, 
I just think with the history the Reds have and just the way the fans are, that there's no reason this team franchise couldn't be like the Cardinals are. There's no no reason whatsoever they couldn't have the same kind of success and the same kind of passion. Yeah, what's the difference? The Cardinals uh, have ownership and management that are competent, stick to a plan, and and execute on that plan. I mean, the Cardinals' owner lives in Cincinnati, for crying out loud. Uh, you're right, and and that's what I, I've kind of referenced a few times, but I hate to say it in reference to the Cardinals, but, you know, everybody talks about how St. Louis is a baseball town, and yeah, it's true. Cincinnati is as well, and you just have to show that you care a little bit, and uh, like I said, you kind of unlock uh, the uh, this Reds fandom. Sydney, what about you? Anything uh, you're burning to talk about? I mean, my my biggest thing is the fact that, as you say, like I'm I'm a part of a lost generation. My grandparents had the big red machine. That is how they fell in love with the Reds. And like, whenever I talk to my grandma about the Reds, that's what she talks about all the time. And my dad had the '90 Reds as well as the '95 and '99 Reds and they were just so good versus me. What do I have? I have nothing. I have Yasiel Puig and Amir Garrett trying to fight other teams like the Pirates. And that's really it. That's like my favorite memory as a Reds fan is watching them do that. Cause it's, it's fun, but I mean, we don't have much. My generation doesn't. And I just want something to cling to and be like, this is why I'm a Reds fan versus I was born into this. I was born right, exactly, and I can't leave. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that, that's, that's my last question. I actually wanted to ask each of you. Uh, after, after all this, you know, we've talked about how deeply we care about this team. I, we're sitting here talking on a, on a Monday night about this dumb franchise that's like, you know, three and 25 or something, whatever their record is. Um, they sold off the whole team, but here we are talking about them. Because you know we, we kind of came together over a you know a shared passion. Sorry I had to show that one more time. Um, and so that's the question: Is there something that could happen that at some point you just say that's it? It's just not worth my time to follow this team. Is there time that you, you may be a Reds fan, but I'm not going to pay any attention until they decide they're going to win? What do you think, Pat? You know, at this point, having kind of passed on some of this allegiance and passion to my own boys and are you, are you feeling guilt over that like i am <laughs> a little bit a little bit right i mean we've got uh you know time spent with joey Votto. my younger son was out on the field playing catch with billy hamilton and it's like so they they started to embrace that too so so i would say that that my goal is more to to outlast the current reds ownership and uh lock arms with with the next group that hopefully has a better plan there we go. I like that. What do you think, Will? Is there going to become a time when you're just like, this is not worth it? Uh, I mean, I, I've already gotten to the point where I, I don't watch too many of the games anymore. I mean, partially because of where I'm living and partially because of the, part of the product on the field and pace of play issues with baseball these you know, last few years. Um, but I don't think so. I mean, they, they would have to move the team for me to completely give up. All right, hear me out. What if they moved the team to Tampa? Uh, that would be interesting. <laughs> That'd be all right. I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen. But no, I don't think so. Sydney, what, what is is you not you? You're still a fan, thick and thin, uh, despite uh, pretty much garbage franchise your entire life. Uh, so, is there something that could push you over the edge? 
I mean, realistically, the only thing they could really do to do that is if they are to decline Joey Votto's option next year. Because I believe it's an option for next year. Because he has done so much for this franchise and to not pick it up, even if he is still batting one whatever, like, that's a huge slap in the face to the one guy who has stuck with you through thick and thin and would never leave this franchise. And to just, if they treated him like that and were to decline it, that's it. They obviously don't care about the people who have been here forever. I'm out. Well, you know, we, we've been doing this podcast since 2007, if you can believe it, which is crazy. And I, I, I very nearly gave it up uh, after, you know, uh, after last season. And uh, really after the Reds, when, when they went into 2021 and really didn't try to improve a team that had a shot to be a real team, you know. And I kind of got talked into sticking around. And then after this past year, I thought, well, we'll just try to have some fun and you know, we, we leaned into the billboard nonsense. and But uh, I don't, I'm, at, I'm at the point in my life where I, I spent a lot of time talking about this team and thinking about this team and watching this team. And at some point, I'm like, gosh, what am I doing? I'm not, I'm not paying as close attention as I was, which I probably shouldn't say if I'm trying to get people to listen to me when I analyze <laughs> the res. But, uh, but I'm, I'm just not. They're just not fun to watch uh, often. Um, but what brings me back, I guess, are those some of those individual players, you know, the Hunter Greens and the Jonathan Indias and the Tyler Stevensons and I don't know, like, uh, you know, uh, Al Pacino and, uh, and the Godfather. Just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in. Well, guys, this was fun. Uh, anyone have any uh, final thoughts you want to say? I, already, uh, I gave you the wild card question already, but anything else you want to say? Uh, jump in. If not, uh, forever hold your peace. Lisa Alberto deserves to be in the Reds Hall of Fame. There we go. At least Alberto Bonilla, there's your hot take for tonight. Uh, Pat, you're going to say something? Just uh, just appreciate you having us on and being able to to share some thoughts and share with other Reds fans. Absolutely. Will, anything? Well, thanks for having us. It was a lot of fun. It's good to talk about this stuff. Yeah, this was, this was a lot of fun. And maybe we'll have like a reunion episode here uh, after the season to talk about <laughs> <laughs> after, after the Reds win the playoff series at the end of this season, right? We'll come back on and talk about how, much, how wrong we were, I guess. Uh, Pat, Will, Sidney, thank you all so much for supporting the campaign. And, and uh, you know, it's uh, this hashtag uh, sell the team, Bob, thing. It kind of took on a life of its own, and we actually got a response from Phil Castellini. Uh, not just us, but, you know, the, the whole sell the team, Bob uh, movement that's got people wearing bags on their heads and flying banners across the, I was going to t- mention it here. Uh, I have, I don't have the precise numbers yet, but we actually raised more money for the billboard than, uh, it cost. And so I'm going to have a precise amount of what that is. I got to decide what to do, whether we should want to donate that to the Reds community fund or something. But I, one, one thought was to put it towards, uh, take, get a plane and flying a banner around, uh, great American <laughs> ballpark for three hours a game night. And then somebody, someone beat me to it. So I don't know what to figure out. We may still do it again, but uh, but anyway, uh, guys, really, really enjoyed uh, talking to you tonight. This was a lot of fun, and I, I guess this is sort of the proof that no matter how bad it gets on the field, we can, yeah, we can all sort of commiserate with our shared uh, you know, shared pain. I guess uh, misery loves company. Maybe maybe that's what it is. Pat, Will, Sydney, thank you all so much for joining us. This is the Riverfront. You can find us wherever you find podcasts. You can find us on YouTube. I'm not going to go into all that because you know, really, who cares? So. Um, Thanks again.
Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.